Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 28th, last day of the month. Rent is due tomorrow. It is seven minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So let's talk about the U.S. Energy Department. They assess that the COVID-19 pandemic likely originated from an accidental leak in China. Accidental, in air quotes. The Energy Department, they previously were undecided, but now they join the FBI in their stance that it was spread at that mishap at the laboratory in Wuhan. (laughs) Mishap. Mishap. Listen to you. I know. Now Republicans are calling for accountability from the Chinese Communist Party and evidence is mounting to blame them for the pandemic being proven right does matter, but what matters most is holding the CCP accountable so that it doesn't happen again. Isn't it interesting that, okay, so this is coming out of the Biden government, right? It's the Biden Energy Department. It's not Trump. You Mm -hmm. can't say it's, you know, radical right-wing Republicans. And so if we accept their theory on its face, right? Like, again, why would Biden's own Energy Department manipulate data whatever that indeed it did come likely from a lab in china hi welcome to the party bal Mm -hmm. the radio guy nine to noon (laughs) has been saying that for three years um there was a time in america where unified fronts were always there on the best interest of america right yeah like um and i'm just pulling this off the top of my head this may not be the best example, but I'm just freewheeling because it's 9.08 in the morning. After <laughs> after the Japanese invaded Pearl Harbor, okay, Roosevelt didn't come out and go, well, we got to uncover if it was actually the Japanese and which of the Japanese was mm-hmm. it? And did these people actually speak for the Japanese government or were these rogue? Blah, blah. It was, no, the freaking Japanese bombed our ships and it's on Dude, mm-hmm. and the country united because that was the best interest of America. But what we're about to hear with John Kirby, who's a spokesperson for Biden, and we're going to play multiple clips on this, is that the political narrative now far supersedes the best interest of the country, even if it's your own people telling you the information. Like they are not willing to give up even though your own government, mm-hmm. the own people that you've appointed are telling you what everybody already knew who was a remotely intellectually honest broker, which is this thing was done by design and it came out of a lab. And if you actually dig into it and actually get the answers, I think you're going to find it was released deliberately on those protesters in Hong Kong. But regardless, it doesn't matter whether it was accident or not. Your own people are telling you it came in a lab and Biden's Biden's spokespeople and Biden himself will still not own it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. No, because now we have to have a consensus. <laughs> All of the intelligence agencies have to be on the same page, apparently. Which, I mean, what's the likelihood of that ever happening? <laughs> because you can make an intelligence agency say whatever you basically want them to say in order for people to keep their jobs, mm-hmm. right? So now the thing is, as you just alluded to, well, sure, the energy department said that, but they're but. they're not the intelligence people per se, so we're still kind of you know manipulating and mm-hmm. you know I use the term manipulating. They're probably using the term like investigating right. to get what we want. Okay, so th- this should scare the hell out of everybody. So John Kirby comes out and says, despite Biden's own government telling him, COVID came manipulated 
in a lab, which is known as gain of function, Mm -hmm. which people like Rand Paul have been saying for three years, John Kirby says Biden still supports gain of function research. Does the president believe that this type of gain of function research is proven? He believes that um, it's important to help prevent future pandemics, which means he understands that there has to be legitimate scientific research into the sources or potential sources of pandemics so that we understand it so that we can prevent them and we can prevent them from happening, obviously. Um, But he also believes, and and this is why he wants the the whole of government effort here to understand it, um, that that research has to be done, must be done in a safe and secure manner as and as transparent as possible to the rest of the world so that so people know what's going on. So I think that's a fancy way of saying yes. Okay, so let's review what he just said. A safe and secure manner. Whoops. Yeah, think about So COVID was created. Oops, Daisy. COVID was created because they said, so, the, so there was a non-existent thing mm-hmm. that they said we must try to simulate this thing or create this thing so that we can help when the thing that didn't exist actually happens but it wouldn't exist if we hadn't created it they create the thing it gets out by choice or by accident whatever doesn't matter and now his thing is we must keep tinkering and playing dr frankenstein with these viruses because we've got to know how to fix them if they get out but they wouldn't even exist if we weren't playing Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense to anyone? <laughs> no. And the American people deserve to see all the information concerning this leak and the origins of it. It's not It's not going to be forgotten. Absolutely. All right. So Kirby then says, again, John Kirby, spokesperson for, for Biden, says that even though Biden's own government says it was created in a lab. Mm-hmm. We're not going to admit that it was created in a lab. And even if it was created in a lab, he still refuses to say whether Biden will condemn China for creating it in a lab. How, how will he respond to to Xi and... and um... Well, let, let's not get ahead of where we are in the process right now. We, we, there is not a consensus on what caused COVID to start. The president wants to understand that so we can prevent better future pandemics. He's made that a priority, and I just don't, we don't have an answer to speak to. And I certainly, so given that we don't have a consensus, it would be foolish for me to get out ahead of speculation on hypothetical situations to come. We just aren't there yet. (laughs) We're not there. It's not like they've had any time to consider it. It's only been three years. If you question okay let's go to the hunter biden laptop and you question whether the president of the united states is compromised and the big guy and 10 percent for the big guy and the business dealings and all the stuff that hunter biden was a part of and joe biden somehow affords all these home remember yesterday he was talking about all of his homes. all of his homes uh, okay the fbi searched his homes all, all my homes my, my home what proof would you need other than your own government, his own government mm-hmm. of people that he appoints has confirmed what anybody who was remotely paying attention knew was likely from the beginning, which is that that thing was created in a lab and it was created by China. And his spokesperson still will not say that the president of the United States will condemn China for doing this. 
the prosecution rests, mm-hmm. Your Honor. Okay, so why the energy department? FBI came out and they said, yeah, we think it was, you know, in the in the lab in Wuhan. And now the energy department. But why is the energy department significant and weighty? Well, it's because they have scientific expertise and they oversee a network of U.S. national laboratories, some of which conduct biological research. And they also have a special division that as part of its mission is to track and mitigate weapons of mass destruction. They specialize in this biological weapons like viruses. That's part of what the energy department does. So for them to say, Yeah, this was created in a lab. It is significant, more so than any of the other departments. And think about what COVID is, right? Think about what it is, what it does, how it spread, and the dramatic impact it was able to have on people. Oh, you're talking about deaths and economic impact? Well, yeah, and I'm I'm talking about, for people who, obviously the deaths, but people who have lived, uh, everybody either has had COVID or knows someone who has had COVID, and yes, there were many people who didn't know they had it and tested positive, but the, I mean, just, just crippling impact Mm -hmm. that that thing had on people does that seem like something that just happened naturally and sprung up or does that sound like something where someone was putting the parts together and shouting it's alive (laughs) it's alive Mm -hmm. i mean that just doesn't just just unbelievable real quick before we go uh and again kirby wanted to reaffirm to everyone despite his own government biden's Mm -hmm. own government saying covid was created in a lab there's no consensus on covid the president made uh, trying to find the origins of code a priority right when he came into office and he's got a whole of government effort designed to do that uh, there is not a consensus right now in the u.s government about exactly how covid started uh, there is just not an intelligence community consensus and i would add that one of the things the president did was he he's the one who tasked the national labs which were poured up through the department of energy to study this as well so it wasn't just an effort that was confined to the intelligence community. That work is still ongoing. Okay, so if it was a priority, why is he not going to do anything about it? Great question. Hey, Casey, Rob. from COVID, which I know is super uplifting, <laughs> to another super uplifting story when we return, mm-hmm. how much people lost in their 401ks last oh, year? Oh, boy, and it's a lot, and I'm sure you can relate, and we'll get into it next from 93 WIBC. Hey, Rob. Yes, Casey. Question. Yes. Okay, how would you like to get a 6% bonus when you open up an investment account? That seems like a good deal. Okay, well, you can. If you invest $100,000, you immediately get a $6,000 bonus. And here's the good news. You continue to get a 6% bonus on future contributions for the next five years. How did we do this? We are not magicians. We just opened up a Roth IRA with Bill Demery, and we love getting a 6% upfront bonus, but we also love that our investment growth is tax-free. You gotta check this out because there are even more benefits than we have time for here. To learn more, call Bill Dermery, your retirement guy, right here in Indy at 317-932-9912. That's 317-932-9912. That number again, write it down, 317-932-9912. Everybody's talking at me. <laughs> I 
22 minutes after 9, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And let's take a look at what is trending this hour. Heads up, Tony Katz. Red Lobster's trending. Oh. I know he's a big fan. The restaurant chain is releasing their first ever line of frozen entrees, which include Cheddar Bay biscuits and also coconut shrimp bites. So next time you're at the grocery store and you're in the frozen section, Uh you'll be seeing Red Lobster pop up. I wonder, and we could probably look into this, how what I call mid-level dining Mm -hmm. is doing. Would would that be a good description of Red Lobster? Is it a mid-level dining? Like it is not. It's not fast food, but it's not. Saint Elmo. Right. Yeah. Okay. I wonder how mid-level dining is doing in the modern economy where there's such great wealth gaps, because clearly you are either, you mentioned Tony Katz, you're either rich like Tony Katz or you are poor like me. (laughs) And so I I just, I don't know how many people are still, especially with the price of everything Mm -hmm. going up. still fit into that mid-level dining income bracket. I believe we had a discussion about this recently where these mid-level dining restaurants are doing pretty well. Really? Because people are using them as their big St. Elmo's night out. Oh, yeah. Because they're not doing St. Elmo's. And and this is so weird because... Casey, you as a mother will know this. There used to be a time, until very recently, where it was cheaper and often markedly cheaper to eat at home, mm-hmm. make something yourself, mm-hmm. rather than go to you know, a restaurant of some sort. Mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> like moms always say, can we go to McDonald's? No, we have food at home. Exactly. I maintain now, though, like we went to the store last night. Mm-hmm. It is utterly ridiculous how expensive things are getting. And I know we've had this conversation before, Mm -hmm. but it just seems like every time, and I'm not talking about, hey, you're buying gourmet protein bars or, you know, you're buying the finest meats and cheeses in the the deli. I'm talking about bags of chips. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like, it is so expensive now. I, for the first, I think this is the first time ever bought the Walmart brand SpaghettiOs rather than the actual SpaghettiOs because it's like 30 cents difference. And when you cobble 30 cents together on a bunch of things, mm-hmm. now you have real monetary value. Mm-hmm. I mean, SpaghettiOs, it was not that long ago, SpaghettiOs were like 92 cents for a can of SpaghettiOs with meatballs. They're now something like twenty-eight at Walmart. And is it the same size can or has the shrinkflation affected well, the your ca- SpaghettiOs? Now, they did the shrinkflation years ago, long before <laughs> the COVID and the supply chains and the inflation. They did that years ago. Those scumbags over at SpaghettiOs uh, did that. And, and I posted about that at the time and nobody's paying attention. And this is why, just like Paul, Re- see, the legend of the founders was there was a call to arms with Paul Revere. The British are coming, the British are coming. People were aware, they paid attention. I was sounding the alarm on shrinkflation with the SpaghettiOs, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And as, unlo- you know, I was the Paul Revere of the SpaghettiOs and no <laughs> one was paying attention. And now you're stuck with the little bitty mm-hmm. cans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's an Are awful you buying off brand or are you going Chef Boyardee? Well, I, bu- I, bu- I bought the off brand. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I usually don't, but the inflation is to the point now where the off brand now costs what the name brand used to cost not all that long ago. But the problem is because everybody's getting hit with the inflation, Mm -hmm. I used to have the off-brand aisle all to myself. I had to deal with the rich people, right? (laughs) Or the upper middle income people. Look, I don't, I'm not going to be envious of you. I'm not wanting to be you. You just shop in your little aisle with the name brand and I'll stay over here and have the off-brand. And now the rich people Mm -hmm. 
because of the inflation, mm-hmm. not only are remain rich and have more money than me, they're coming into your they're space. They're coming into my aisle. And we had a very clear agreement here. Mm-hmm. You can have the money. I'll have the cheap crap. Now the rich people are violating the agreement. Year over year, groceries have risen 11.3%. So it is real. Well, you probably don't go to this place often, but Trader Joe's have said that they will never install self-checkout lanes. This is another trending story. They said the bottom line here is that our people remain our most valued resource. And finally, What if they don't want to deal with people? I like not having to talk to someone at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I like the Mm self-checkout. I know that guy in the sky is watching me and Mm -hmm. I'll always, do you do this with with your man, Casey? While my wife is scanning the groceries, I'll point at her and, and mouth, she's stealing. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Because <laughs> I know the guy in the sky is watching. I saw a lawyer uh, once who said that don't ever go to the self-checkout lane because you're opening yourself up to accusation that you did not pay. You didn't scan. They give you a receipt. Yeah, and then they check it on your way out the well, door, Well, but if you're not too. stealing, what do you care? Right? Well, exactly. Finally, trending CNN, they have said that they are going to do a town hall format to fill the void of Chris Cuomo when he was let go. The void. The void. This is going to be a, a new format for their 9 p.m. slot. It's going to be called CNN Primetime, and they're going to host town halls and one-on-one interviews instead of having a host do a nightly show. They said it's news, not names, oh. that will draw in the audience. They just refuse to hire a conservative. You notice that, Casey? Like They, they know the answer to the equation. Well, you know what? And that's interesting. That could be a CNN spin on it that, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to have to pay somebody, a high-named individual, to come in. Yeah. So it will affect their bottom line that yeah. they're saving money there. They'll just have a rotating chair of town hall people. All right. When we come back, we did not get to how much money you've lost in your retirement. We'll get to that later in the show. When we come back, Casey, yesterday, (laughs) as predicted, the Indiana Republican Party did the Indiana Republican thing. They totally caved to the angry red-shirted teachers, and they killed the partisan school board bill, which would have fixed the problem that they claim to want to fix, which is the radical leftism on the school boards, which is doing the thing that they claim they're not for. But, of course, we knew they actually didn't care about fixing the thing. Micah will join us next to discuss. It's 93 WIBC. Amen. Amen. It's time to go to church. Take me to church. Here to preach to the choir from the bully pulpit, Pastor Micah Beckwith. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's here. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline. Joining us today from Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. conservative voice of the state of Indiana, Pastor Micah Beckwith. What are you doing in Washington, D.C., Beckwith? Hey, guys. Well, I'm down here to uh, meet with a couple uh, you know, groups, some PACs we're looking at potentially, you know, just if we're going to you know, run for Congress, we're just doing our due, our due diligence, meeting with uh, Club for Growth and gun owners of America and and uh, national right to life. So just some good, some good uh, organizations that I'd want to be aligned with if I were to uh, to run. And you're in the airport right now. How does their airport compare to ours? <laughs> it's it is more it's more congested. It's a little dirtier. Uh, I will say Indianapolis Airport is a nice airport. It's, it's big. It's it's uh, spread out. It's easy to navigate. I like it. All right. Uh, but, so let, let's talk about your buddies over there at the State House, Beckwith, because these are your people. You continue to try to associate with them in some shape, form, or fashion. We told you, Casey. I told you a long time ago that was a lost cause. Uh, J D. Prescott. You know him. 
I, I do. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know him real well personally, but I certainly know who he is. So he's yeah. a state rep from what, like up in Delaware County, I think. He totally killed this partisan school board bill, which is super weird because it was his bill, and he got it out of committee and then didn't even bring it up for a vote yesterday, which means it's done. Uh, why do Republicans fear the angry red-shirted teachers so much? Well, that's a good question. I don't know why they fear them. They shouldn't fear them if they do. I mean, the Republicans have a supermajority. The state of Indiana is conservative, and and so I don't know why they back down when they when the cancel culture mob comes comes out. I mean, that's just that's just part of the job. You just need to make sure you stand strong. But as far as uh, JD goes, I I've been hearing that the bill's going to die in the Senate. I mean, I think that's kind of no. I'm not saying he did the right thing in killing it, but I am. But I do know the Senate is is where the weakness of the Republican Party lives right now. Uh, There is not strong leadership in the Senate. Uh, the House is much more conservative, passing some good stuff out of this out of this session. But when it comes to where the Senate's at, they, I mean, this was going to be a debacle times 10 like it was last year when they the Senate couldn't even barely stand up to the teachers, let alone push any legislation through. So I think J.D. probably saw the writing on the wall. I haven't talked to him personally, but I have talked to a few legislators that have said, hey, this bill was, was going to get killed in the Senate. Now, what I would hope that they would do is give at least give the counties or the school corporations the uh, the ability to declare or or make it you know put it up to them if if we want to have partisan school board races put it up to them they're they're saying in the rural communities around Indiana that this would we don't need it like they're saying well we we got conservative school boards we don't need this and and that's right they do but this is coming if they don't if if they can't be proactive here they're going to be exactly where Hamilton Southeastern School uh, is and and it'll it'll be a few short years down the road when that happens. Okay, so the House Speaker Todd Houston, he said that the members of his caucus were all across the spectrum on the proposal. So what does that mean, all across the spectrum? And so that means that you have some reps that are in rural in, uh, areas in Indiana that don't see the need for this. They actually they actually say, well, this could actually hurt conservatives that are on their school boards right now, which I disagree with that. I don't think it would at all. But they could they could say it could keep people who want to run from running, uh, like people who don't necessarily want to let the world know that they're an R or D, but they might be a good school board member. They wouldn't run. But I, I, why is it that this is the one race in all of the races that we have in Indiana where we can say, oh, we don't need to know your political ideology? And they'll say, well, we don't want politics in school. And I'll say politics is already there mm-hmm. and it's only getting worse mm-hmm. because people are hiding under the guise of the uh, nonpartisanship. Yeah, and we're going to spend two segments on this today. Obviously, we're doing it with you, Micah Beck, with our guest joining us from Washington today. We're going to have Tony Kennett on here in just a little bit to talk to. And the reason we're going to spend two segments on it is because this was the bill to solve a whole bunch of the problems that the Republicans in, in the legislature claim they want to solve, which are these radical school boards that are out of control. This would have been the best way to fix it, Micah, and they had the opportunity to do it, and they didn't even vote on it this year, which tells me they're actually not not that concerned about radical leftism in public schools. Well, we don't have a leader to lead us. Uh, there is no Ron DeSantis in Indiana right now. There's there's not one Republican legislator or re, or someone in the Republican Party down at that state house that I would say they are the leader. They're the ones that are taking the arrows. They're the ones that are willing to get out there and say what's right, no matter the consequences. And we don't have it. 
And so that's why these bills are dying. If we had Ron DeSantis in Indiana, this bill would, would pass with flying colors. No one would even bat an eye. They'd say, there's our leader. Let's get behind Ron. He's leading us in the battle. Let's go. But we don't have that in, in, in Indiana. Do you think that language from this bill will show up in other bills before the session's over? Will they like try uh, and sneak it in something else? Uh, probably not. I, I would because because remember the this is probably one of the hottest topics, and the Senate was weak last year on education. And I could it's not going to happen in the Senate. Maybe they'll try to do something in the House with the Senate bills that they're going to be receiving. But I, I think if this doesn't go through, it's dead, and we won't have we'll have to fight it again next year. But Rob, you're right. This would be a silver bullet. This would fix the problems of our schools in Indiana without a doubt. Give it take about two to four years, and we'd start seeing changes in good ways uh, all throughout our, our school district. And this is why when people say, well, you're so mean to the Republicans, this is why. It's not because I disagree with them. I do disagree with them. But they lie to people when they claim they want things. They lie to people when they say, oh, yeah, this is the way it should be. And then they have the opportunity, which everybody with a firing synapse in their brain recognizes would go a long way to solve the issue that they acknowledge exists and claim to want to fix, and then they don't do it, Mike. I mean, they're just being completely disingenuous with the people. Yeah, well, again, it's because there's no leadership. There's a leadership void. There's there's nobody that's willing to go to the nearest microphone, go to the media and say, you know what? I don't care what the media thinks. I don't care what the leftists think. This is what we're doing as the Republican Party. Follow me in the battle. We don't have that. And that's, it, you know, whenever there's, whenever you're void of leadership, you have people run scared. And that's what's happening. And, and, and to your point, I agree with 95% of what the Republican Party principles are. Like, I agree that there's, like, and what most Republican legislators are pushing tend to be good things. They just don't have the courage to get that ball across the field. And typically, they're, they're playing defense and they don't even realize they're on defense until the ball's on their own two yard line yeah and then and so that's that's what i'm saying I said, guys you got to be proactive stop being reactive go into the battle i mean ronda sanders gave a great interview on mark levin the other day and and he said uh he said i'm always on offense he said because if you're not on offense you're losing and uh we don't have that mentality in indiana yeah before yeah before we let you go uh like, it's like people like you talk about the Senate. I mean, and those the Senate is are com- just complete zeros on uh, most things. I mean, you think about somebody like John Crane, who's my senator, who I know you are friends with in Hendricks County. This was made for him. His literal campaign slogan wasn't it "Courage when it counts." Like, wasn't that what he put on his signs? Where is somebody like that who this is supposed to be a made-for issue in a deep red county? He's so petrified of those school boards. He's so petrified of those lun- lunatic left parents that he just cowers in the corner and says absolutely nothing, then tells his staff, well, don't talk to Rob Kendall because he's mean to me on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, you know, that is a fair... That's a fair statement that you're making. And I love John. He's a good friend, and he is a solid conservative. His mindset, though, and I'll tell you this because he's told me this, and I've heard him say it in public, so I'm not saying something he wouldn't say in public. He says, I, he says, I need to be thoughtful and diplomatic behind the scenes. And I agree with that. I, listen, I agree with that. But I also say, John, you also need to be out in public so that we, the people, have know what to rally around, know that there's somebody fighting for these issues, and you're, you're just – we don't – Again, we're void of leadership, and I think John could be a Ron DeSantis if he were to step out and say, "I'm gonna, I'm going to the nearest microphone. I'm giving, I'm giving the people what I know to be true, and follow me in the battle." I think he, his principles are, are spot on, but to your point, he's just not. You know, and it's not just John; it's 
I would say the whole Senate right now is is so void of leadership. Ask anybody that was around Indiana politics ten years ago. The Senate used to be the conservative beacon. I mean, you had Bill Schneider, or uh, uh, you had uh, Schneider, Scott Schneider. You had Marlon Stutzman. You had guys like Mike Delp. You had these like bold, like just conservatives that would they would die on almost every hill, you know. Like, but that's where the Senate was really carrying the water. And now it's sort of flipped. The House has become that conservative beacon, and now the Senate is where conservative bills go to die. I'm proud of you, Beck. With you did a whole conversation in a probably radical left airport, and you did it at a reasonable volume, and you're still alive. I mean, I'm very I'm proud of you. You were talking conservatism in the Washington D.C. airport, and I think people around could hear you. I'm very proud of you. He's he's tucked right. into a Hudson News. <laughs> no, no, I'm getting some I'm getting some uh, some weird stares and some not very nice looks, but it's okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I'll do it. So, Pastor Michael Beckwith, thank you, my friend. Hey, thanks, guys. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us this morning. You can follow along on YouTube if you'd like. Just go to YouTube and type in Kendall and Casey in the search bar. Also, the music is all available on Spotify. All you have to do is type in Kendall and Casey and then follow that. So let's talk about Donald Trump. Okay, we've got some new polling that came out and Trump holds a 15% lead over Ron DeSantis. And this was done by Fox News. So Republican voters favor Trump at 43%, while Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, has not announced that he's running for president earned 28% of the votes. Yeah, these polls are fun to look at and we clarify that we are doing this for entertainment purposes. We're not telling you this because, oh my gosh, this is such a trend and you should totally buy into this and blah, blah, blah. When everybody's running Mm -hmm. and then you have a couple months of everybody running and you have more than one debate of everybody running, then you'll be able to get sort of a lay of the land of where people are. And look, Casey, you know, I hate to tell people how things are going to go because I'm pretty good usually at being right on how things are going to go. Let me tell you how this is going to go. Okay. Okay? (laughs) When this thing starts. Get your crystal ball. When this thing starts, there's going to be, you know, 10, 15, whatever people running. And what you're going to see probably very early on, DeSantis will get some sort of bump when he declares Mm -hmm. because he'll be very good at declaring. Mm -hmm. But you're still going to probably see Trump with some sort of lead over DeSantis. And it'll probably be some sort of sizable lead, somewhere probably between eight and 10 points, depending on where you're at. Then you're going to find out what sort of campaigner and debater Ron DeSantis is. And then you're going to see, I think it probably tightened a little bit, but Trump will hold some sort of lead. And then it's going to come down to whether the collective wants Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Will, will Does the collective of the Republican Party want Donald Trump? Because if the collective does not want Donald Trump, you will see, because Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and Christie or whoever else is in there is going to pull from DeSantis. Trump is sort of maxed out where Trump is. It's somewhere between probably 35 and 45%, depending on what poll you look at. And then there's everybody else. Mm -hmm. And if everybody else stays in, then there's probably a world where Donald Trump gets the nomination. But much like with Bernie Sanders in, in 2020, what you saw 
coming into South Carolina or after South Carolina was people to go, oh, crap, Biden's pretty awful, but we don't think Sanders can win. Okay, everybody out. You've had your chance. Mm -hmm. You're still at 7% or 5% or whatever. Everybody on team Biden. And that's what happened. Buttigieg, Klobuchar, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Now I think you're going to see that with the Republican Party. After two or three of these things, it's going to be DeSantis and Trump being the clear favorites, the only two who can probably win. And you're going to see pressure on the Nikki Haley's or the Mike Pence's. Pick a team, pick a side, mm-hmm. get out of this thing because, you know, you you can't win. Okay, so you mentioned Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and all these other guys. And Pence and Nikki Haley are sitting at 7%. Greg Abbott, who's the governor of Texas, and Liz Cheney. I, why they're polling her, I, I don't know, but they have 2%. So we've got 9% there between all of those people. What happens if that 9% all goes to DeSantis? Do we? Do we see him taking the lead eventually? Well, and I I think that's what's going to happen. If all the other Rands step out? DeSantis will be a far superior campaigner to Donald Trump. And what I mean by that is Donald Trump has one play. And it was a great play, right? Nobody saw it coming in 2015, 2016. It was phenomenal. He was able to emasculate, bully, whatever word you Mm -hmm. want. Every single person who got near him. But he was not an actual good campaigner. Casey, did you know I interviewed the president? I heard it was a great dream. Did you, did you know that? I, and did I've, you know seen, I I've actually seen a picture with you yes. and him, um, which your dad has on his mantle. That's so right. proudly displaying um, it. Yes, I interviewed the president, and he called me a great dream, and he said he wished every interview could be just like that. I don't want to- I'm re- sure he tells everybody that, though, Rob. I don't want to rehash old- <laughs> No, I saw the guy who interviewed after me. I can assure you he did not tell everyone that. Um But one of the reasons he did the interview with me Mm -hmm. is because Trump was not capable of doing traditional retail campaigning. And what I mean by that is he was not capable. Part of it was because of the media circus. But Trump is not capable in swing states of going and knock, doing the traditional door knocking or phone banking or whatever. So you had to find different ways to campaign with him. And that was the rallies and that everybody shows up and, hey, let's find in the most Republican counties in the state of which Hendricks County was one. Let's try to do interviews with people who can have some sort of sway and pull. Ron DeSantis will remain, despite being very popular, a very good retail campaigner. He doesn't need to do gargantuan rallies in, you know, the car at the Carmel Palladium or the the uh, fairgrounds or whatever. He could and maybe would do those, mm-hmm. but he's going to be good at phone banking. He's going to be good at retail politics. He's going to be good at having, hey, we're going to be at the. Uh, where was that place? The Oasis Diner in Plainfield. Uh, He's going to be a mixture of that. And Trump, I don't think Trump can pivot into that small group retail type campaigning that he will need Mm -hmm. in a contested primary. Okay, so Ron DeSantis made history when he won by 1.5 million votes. Florida, not has not been this majority sweep like he had. Typically, it's more of a razor thin, especially when you consider what happens in Miami-Dade County. But he has uh, this new book of his coming out. It is the Florida Blueprint. And he says that the formula is really simple. Be willing to lead, have the courage of your convictions, and deliver for your constituents. And then you reap the political rewards. And one thing that Ron DeSantis has that Donald Trump does 
not have is the ability to tout his policy that he has a majority right now in his state. He can pass these laws and then he can brag about that. Trump can't do that right now. Yeah. And a little bit later, we'll play this ad DeSantis has out. Uh, and and I just I think it's going to be very fascinating to see this unfold because Trump is probably maxed out with where he is and DeSantis has a wide open coalition at his dis- potential disposal and a lot of money I mean DeSantis still has 90 million dollars but he's gonna have to earn it and this is the great thing about this primary whoever comes out of there whether it is Trump or DeSantis mm-hmm. is going to earn it and they will be a much better candidate for the general election you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC I am all-